Hello, and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. My name is Gavin Tolomedi, and I am here with Monica Melanero. And today we are joined with uh, Caitlin Mitri, the president of PSAC. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. So uh, we will quickly start off like quickly saying, like, what is PSAC to all the graduate students listening right now? Okay. Um, PSAC, um, or Local 610, is a trade union. Um, we specifically represent graduate teaching assistants and postdoctoral associates here at Western um, University. And so we basically represent their working conditions. Um, and yeah, that's that's what we are. <laughs> and specifically, it's when it comes to teaching for graduate students. Yeah, so we specifically look after their teaching assistant role. That does sometimes get confused. So we only deal with um, anything working related to teaching assistants. Okay. Okay, and within that role of teaching assistants, then do you, is it hours? Is it supervisor relationships? What? It's all. It's all of it. It's all. Yes. Um, so I guess just to go over like what trade unions are. Um, so trade unions are bodies of collective workers that come together to negotiate with the employer their rights and working conditions in the workplace. Um, so we've been unionized for teaching assistants for over 20 years now at Western University. We're actually one of the first academic locals in Ontario. Um, one of the first, not the first. Um, <laughs> and so we've had a very long history of working with Western, actually not working with Western, I'd like to say fighting with Western um, to negotiate the working conditions um, such as your wages the relationship between your supervisor. The reason you have a duty specification agreement is because of us. Um, the number of hours you work is because of us. Um, overtime processes is because of us. Um, things like your benefits, the extended health plan, um, mental health fund that we just got during bargaining last year, and uh, our financial assistance plan and UHIP coverage um, is all because of us. Um, so anything that has to do with the conditions of your employment as a teaching assistant comes from us. Wow. Okay. So the the strike that happened, I think it was only a couple years ago. There was a bit of a TA strike. Was that PSAC? Yeah. So I'll, I'll break it down. We actually weren't on strike. So um, what we were in was a legal position to be either locked out or go on strike. Um, so what ends up happening is every three years, your collective agreement expires and you have to go back to the bargaining table with your employer to renegotiate that contract. So basically anything up in that contract is is a go. So uh, we could ask for like higher wages, we could ask for better benefits, and the employer can also take those things away during collective bargaining. Um, so what ends up happening a lot of times is during bargaining, we reach what's called an impasse, which is when the employer and the bargaining team for PSAC cannot agree on um, the conditions of this collective agreement or there's maybe a specific demand like higher wages and they're not agreeing with us. We go through a process called reconciliation um, to mediate this disagreement. Um, but however, usually we still don't come to an agreement. <laughs> and so what you do is once you've gone through reconciliation is you um, ask for a strike mandate from your members. So a strike mandate doesn't mean you're going to go on strike. All it's saying is that if we were to go on strike, would you be in favor of this if we can't get what we're asking for? Um, and then from there, uh, you can file what's called a no board. So let's say, actually in this case, 
think 92 percent, 92, 94, somewhere around there, um, of TAs voted in favor of going on strike if necessary. Um, so at that point, what you can do is file a no board, which is you have 17 days after that no board is filed. You file it to the Ontario Labor Relations Board and you can be um, in a legal position to go on strike or the employer can fi file it, which is what actually happened with TAs is the employer filed a no board and that means they can legally lock you out. So we were never in a position to go on strike or wanting to go on strike. It was the employer who was like, I'm going to file this no board and in 17 days, if you're not going to just take my agreement, you guys can be locked out of your jobs. Oh, so that helps clarify it Definitely, a little more. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. Okay, because I remember um, I had a few friends that were supposed to be proctoring because it was right around exam time. Yep. And they ended up hiring external proctors to come in, I believe, right? And so the students that were supposed to be proctoring couldn't proctor anymore. Yeah, so that actually happens a lot um, in other kinds of unions, like trade unions, right? Um, or... Uh, unions that represent trades like manufacturing jobs. Um, that's not anything new. We've been seeing this for many, many years in the union movement. What it's called is it's called a scab. So it's when we hire people to do the job of a striking group or a group that might be going on strike. And um, it's it's not good. <laughs> it's a way because um, the point of a going on a strike is you're supposed to shut down the employer's business and slow down productivity and make it hard for them to operate so they can give you what you want. Right. And so when they're hiring scabs, um, what happens is it allows the business or organization to function like usual. And then our strike doesn't become effective. So that's what they were doing to show us um, that that if you guys go on strike, we have someone to come in and do your job for you. You're not important, right? That's what the employer is sending to this, to PSAC. Right. So then with a behind the scenes perspective again, how did this all end up getting resolved? I know it did get resolved, but how mm. did it end up getting resolved? So um, when they filed the no board, we ended up putting some pressure on the university by doing some rallies. We had people come when they opened up that interdisciplinary building. I forget the word, uh, word I think I, it's called. I can't remember the word. I know it's like which building, the, the interdisciplinary research. The brand institute? new one for the very... like Brain and Mind Institute. Yeah, it's the WERB. The WERB, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. we, yeah. they um, they just opened it up and like Chakma was there and we went and did a whole rally in front of it. We got like great press and right away they were like, okay, we're going to invite you back to the bargaining table to like talk about this further. They gave us quite a few um, benefits, but they didn't want to give us a wage increase, which was like the big thing and also extended funding. Because we know, um, based on research, that the average PhD PhD student finishes in five years, and we only have four years of funding. And so that was the two main demands. They weren't willing to give it to us, but they were like, hey, we'll give you a lot more benefits. Um, so after they offer us this deal, what we do is we say we either accept this deal or we don't accept this deal. The bargaining team specifically that's bargaining with the employer chooses that decision, and they bring it back to their members to vote on. Well, the first round, the member said, no, we don't want this deal. We we would like you to go back and negotiate more. Um, so they went back. Um, the employer didn't give too, too much more. I think they gave $50,000 for mental health benefits, which, which I think is a win. But um, that's pretty much it. Oh, and access to the Employment Assistance Program, which is um, associated with Thames Valley. So they're actually moving it to Monroe Chappelle next year, but um, 
basically it's a mental health services that you can go in if you're in crisis or if you need individual one-on-one counseling for short-term therapy yeah oh sorry yeah yeah because i just remember when that email came out and i was reading i thought i I agree it was a huge win for getting mental health support and funding i just felt kind of uh not it's quite shocked that despite the wage like inflation going up and taxes still remaining the same the university still didn't really give a logical reason why they wouldn't increase wages to at least match inflation it was almost like they were brushing it under the rug yeah it that's at least the message i could get from the emails they were sending they're trying to sugarcoat the idea but we we read these emails all the time i can tell we got we're getting better at telling what's been sugarcoated and what's actually the truth um I mean, this happens with all employees at this university. It's the same thing for UAFA. UAFA wanted higher wages. They don't make very good wages compared to other university professors um, across across the country in this province. I think, was it Trent University makes better wages for their faculty? Yeah, they do. Um, so this is just a common theme. Western doesn't want to actually invest and the labor that's been done on this campus or invest back into their students. They really care about like external branding and recruiting more students, but not actually providing them the resources, um, which I just think is ridiculous. It's become like this intensified business place now rather than an actual educational institution. It's gonna become more of the short game for them more than the long game Yeah. at that point. Let's, how can we make money now, but not how can we invest 10 years or even 50 years? into the future yeah kind of thing. and like i know that i've seen in recent um meeting minutes with the senate that they're trying to get more like international students in and like recruit more students in because of the cuts um the ford cuts to their to their funding and i'm just like this is ridiculous like you don't have the capabilities to actually um give all these students a great education so yeah i agree with you on that one What I'm gathering from this is that there's a lot of responsibilities or roles of TAs that PSAC helps with or takes care of that we take for granted or that we just don't know about whatsoever. And one of the things you had mentioned was the grievance process. And I was just wondering if you could maybe outline what the grievance process was and what it involves or what kind of things students may be able to go to you with if they have a grievance. Yeah. So right now we're not in bargaining um, because what ended up happening at that that second um, round of bargaining that they had, we voted yes to taking that deal. Um, so that got ratified. That's what it's called when you agree to take it. And we now agreed and now we have our collective agreement. Um, so while we're not actually in bargaining, what we focus, is, focus on is the grievance process, which is basically a formal complaint um, that discusses basically any piece of legislation in Ontario or Canada that's been broken or a violation of that collective agreement. And so it's probably one of the main services unions do for unionized workers is we grieve when there's been a violation of the workplace conditions or the rights of those workers. Um, So I guess I can go more into like the process of what that looks like. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So usually what ends up happening is we have a member, they usually reach out to us or what we call a shop steward or in the university setting, we call it a department steward or a chief steward. Um, And you would come and talk to them about the issue. We'd find out if the issue is something that could be grievable 
Um, so let's say like you broke something in the employment or something was broken in the Employment Standards Act or their collective agreement was violated, they can file a grievance. The first step to doing this is an informal discussion with the direct supervisor or the department chair. Um, and that's within 21 days of them reporting the incident to you. So there are legal deadlines to this. Um, so that's really important to note. So after something happens, you need to report it within 21 days. And then the employer needs to be aware of that. Um, and so you basically would meet with that supervisor or the department chair. Um, you would go over the grievance. You would have a union rep with you that would talk mm -hmm. for you and represent you. So you don't have to, you could just sit there. The yeah, that's what time. I was wondering. Like, does the student have to take the their own initiative after talking to a steward and go and have this meeting by themselves? Because I, I could see students just stopping then and there. They could if they want to, if they feel more comfortable. Like, hey, I just want to go one on one. I feel that would be less hostile. Some people choose to do that. You don't have to. Um, you are, according to our collective agreement, always allowed to have a union representative there when you're dealing with issues with the employer. Um, so it's not as intimidating. I think it's more intimidating for the shop steward rather than the member because they're <laughs> the one that has to represent them and outline what was wrong, what was broken. They have to outline um, a redress to the issue. So, so a recourse in the action, like how are we going to fix this problem? Um, and that's usually whatever the member wants, right? I always ask... Um, when I'm doing grievances, what do you want? What would you like to see? What would fix this issue? And we get some really creative solutions. So it's always nice to see when people um, are creative and think out of the box with it. Right. And creative doesn't necessarily mean like extravagant, right? It's not no, like no, these no. students are coming in and asking for a bunch of like... No, okay. it's they're always very reasonable, but it could be something like... Let's say you were fired and you it was unjust. Like we've had cases where people don't ask for their job back. They were like, I actually don't want to work with that person. I would like a fantastic letter of reference that I approve of and to help them find a new job, right? So it's kind of like a win for that person because they don't want to work there. They want to move on with their lives, but they also don't want their employer badmouthing them. Um, so we've gotten that. We've been very successful with that one too. Um, but... Usually recourses and action don't happen at the department level, to be honest. I haven't seen them ever okay. be fixed at a department level, ever. So. Okay. And is that because the department's hesitant? The student doesn't want to pursue it any further than the department? Um, usually what ends up happening, I think, is they want it to go up the chain. So let's say, so you meet with these people. They have to meet with you five days when you report the incident. And then they have five days to respond back to you. Um, based on that meeting. So they have to give you a formal response. If you don't like that formal response, you can take it up to a next level, which is actually meeting with the dean of that faculty. Um, a lot of times I think department chairs don't think they have the power to actually give that person what they want. They want to bring it up the chain of command to make sure that they're not getting in trouble for approving something that they might not be allowed to actually approve. But I don't know that for sure. I'm just uh, assuming that's right. what it is. Yeah. Um, and then so you would go to this, to the dean of the faculty, and you would have uh, another conversation, just like how you would with the department chair. Sometimes you find out like new information along the way about the case um, that could help or hinder the case, right? And it's basically the same process. You have seven days to actually file it up to them. You meet with them. I think they have 10 days to meet with you, and then they have seven more days to respond after the meeting. Same thing as the informal. Um, 
then after that, you're still not happy. You go to SGPS, the School of Graduate and Postdoctoral Studies. Again, same deadlines, timelines. You go up to them and you have a meeting with them. Same thing. Usually that's where I see a lot of the grievances getting solved, um, but not all the time. A lot of times they'll say, you have no grievance or we refuse to recognize this grievance or as a grievance. Um, and so what you can do after that is you have 30 business days to file to what's called arbitration which is where I step away and lawyers come in. Um, and so what I do is I file it up to people in Ottawa that work in PSAC. They review the case to see if it's strong enough to actually take to arbitration and they bring it to arbitration with a lawyer. And it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like a small claims court kind of setting. Like that's the best way to describe it is like you have a lawyer, university has a lawyer, you have a third party that comes and judges whether whose side they're going to agree on or if they're going to come to like a middle agreement, right? And it's legally binding. So once that arbitrator makes a decision, that's it. And that's what it is. Okay. So um, that's like the final level. That's the final to. level. So after that, you've went through every recourse of action you can possibly do. And whatever that arbitrator says is final. Okay. Now, yeah. are the students responsible for paying for the lawyer? How does Not that at all. Okay. So... Um, we so we pay dues that come automatically off our paycheck um, month to month. That's actually a Canadian federal law that that's happening. Um, and the reason why is because you all benefit from being unionized, right? Um, and so those dues go to an office in PSAC in Ottawa, and they pay for lawyer fees. And so PSAC is actually like a huge parent organization that looks after many different unionized workplaces. So you have people in like Canadian agriculture, you have people like in the trades, border security, uh, parole officers, um, you have people in taxation. So you have a bunch of employees who are paying probably higher dues than we do um, to that union who will cover all your legal fees if you're to go up to arbitration. You'd pay nothing. If you have to travel somewhere, they'll reimburse you for the travel costs which is which is really good you just you just need to show up and you have to you know talk about your case in front of uh, our arbitrator that's about it okay um i have a couple questions stemming off For of sure. this yeah so the first thing you mentioned was that at least in your experience what you witnessed is that most of these cases get quote unquote solved at sgps mm -hmm. level have many of them gone to arbitration? Is that something that's relatively common? Is that not something that you can comment on? You can also no, say. No, I can comment okay. on that. Okay. Yeah, I'd say probably like 50-50 or no in arbitration. Um, yeah, a lot of times what I've noticed is um, when I'll go up the whole chain of command and they keep saying like, we don't want to recognize this grievance. We see no grievance. Grievance is thrown out. Something generic like that. Um, they usually give me an explanation, which usually is not logical, just like what you're saying about the wages. It's the same stuff over and over again. Like it will be like a clear cut. You violated this collective agreement and they'll still come up with some weird explanation um, to why why they're not recognizing this in some vague letter. And then, yeah, I just file it up. And right now I have three um, next year that I have to attend. Um, I just finished settling one, um, which I, again, can't get into the details about. Um, yeah, but I have quite a few policy-related ones that are coming up next year, like big, big policy ones, okay. um, which would really influence how the university distributes like TA work as well. So it's really important that those go through and we win those. Um, 
But yeah, um, I find with the individual ones, like if a member is coming to me to talk about like an individual case, it's usually solvable at SGPS or it's like they get something that they're comfortable with, like maybe not everything they wanted out of it, but they get something out of it. Um, But when it comes to policy things, that's where I'm seeing a lot of it go to arbitration. Um, So things that would really affect like how the university is, I don't know, distributing TA ships or uh, how the university is paying people or whatever. Like I don't have one that's actually with paying people, but I'm giving an example. Um, And so those, the university tends to not settle on or give me um, a deal for they they say I don't recognize this grievance and then we'll go to arbitration and see what happens so okay yeah got it okay and with that then um, in thinking about the definition of grievance could you maybe give some examples in which like students listening to this right now who are TAing Mm -hmm. what are some things that they may face that may be something that's considered a grievance or that they should potentially be approaching you with uh yeah many different things um so if you're having a breakdown in the relationship with your ta supervisor please come talk to us before it gets really really nasty and bad or you're being threatened to be fired um so a lot of times or at least what i've experienced throughout the year is many tas are coming to me when the relationship has gotten so bad that now they've had hr come and intervene and then it's like, I'm coming to you because HR is investigating me for something and I need I need your help. And it's happened so many times where I'm like, you should have came to us when you were experiencing somewhat of a breakdown with that relationship because we can come in and talk about it and try to mediate that relationship. Or we can even say to that supervisor, look, we need to create a welcoming environment and it's against the collective agreement to not create a welcoming environment for your employees. So I wish people would come to me a lot earlier um, before it gets really, really bad. Um, So that's one thing that people people really should come to us for um another thing is like overtime if people are having issues claiming overtime if people don't even know the overtime process we have processes that are outlined in our collective agreement on how to claim overtime Um, we can sit down and go through those processes with you and we can try to like help you get those overtime hours if you've worked them and you're being rejected from getting overtime pay um Other things that I can think of is just um, we've had some disciplinary meetings we've sat in. Um, So what usually ends up happening is we get a notice that someone's going to be disciplined or that not they're going to be disciplined or they're having a meeting, which they're most likely going to be disciplined in um, from the employer or SGPS, they'll send us a notice. And so it's really important that we can come to those meetings because even if you're being fired and you know you're going to be fired, um, and even though we can't do anything there and then, we can ask questions and like see if you were actually let go um, justifiably. So these are all really important things that we can contribute to. So, yeah. Okay. And with that then, the students approaching members of PSAC or the stewards that they are approaching – do these students need to come with physical proof? Like in terms of the hours, do they need to come with physical proof? Like I've been recording all of my hours and these are all the hours I've worked overtime. If there's a breakdown in the relationship, you know, is it a he said, she said kind of thing? Or do they need to have some sort of proof that this is happening? They are most likely going to have some evidence. I mean, we're not going to turn away a person just because 
they don't have solid evidence like we won't be like this isn't grievable because you have evidence um what we could do is just have an informal conversation and find out what's going on and that could even be evidence eventually down the road when we hear what the employer actually has to say right um but it is always beneficial that people are one tracking their hours when it comes to overtime issues um that people are saving all those emails where there might be um a breakdown in that relationship or like hostile language in emails like just putting it in a folder in your email so you have those saved right like tracking that or what we can also do is um if people especially if they're dealing with like harassment or discrimination they can start recording um they can start recording the behaviors that they've been facing like on the day-to-day and so that to me is a form of evidence right and some of these things too like when it comes to like harassment or even like discriminatory behavior it's not so um black and white like a lot of times these things could be subtle in the workplace or they're not like email documented and so that's an important tool that we use is getting people to write down all their experiences um Noting the behavior of how that supervisor treats other people around them is really important. Um, But if you come and you have no evidence, like we'll tell you how to get evidence. Like we're not going to just like leave you and let's say like you don't have evidence too bad, right? Like we can't do that. We have what's called a duty of fair representation, which means we have to represent you. Even if we think you're wrong, we still represent you. I've had cases for sure where I disagree with the actions of that member. Um, but my job isn't to agree, right, or have some moral judgment on that person. Um, my job is to represent them and get them um, get them what they want out of that situation. Right. And yeah. a grievance doesn't necessarily need to be something extreme, such as no. a breakdown relationship mm-hmm. with a no, supervisor. No, no, no. Okay. So that's just like the worst case scenario or one of the worst case scenarios. Yeah, definitely. That's a worst case scenario. It could be even like confusion on something and you just feel nervous talking to your supervisor and maybe you want a union rep to come talk to you about it. Like maybe you're just intimidated of your supervisor or you feel like it's awkward if... Um, it's awkward if you go but maybe if like a union rep goes it's like it's better right I um like it it doesn't need to even be hostile like that informal meeting we could have could just be a series of questions right like we're confused why this happened right um it could also be like it could also be like accessing benefits and just finding out like how like maternity leave for example or parental leave um like finding out how to access those things like we can meet with your supervisor to find out how that's going to look for you things like that we don't have to like do extreme cases um or you could just have a general complaint about your conditions that you want to raise to your supervisor but want it in a more formal sense right and we can come we call it like small c complaints it doesn't need to be a formal grievance that we file and like take to arbitration right it could just be like this isn't going so well let's try to mediate this so let me help out, right? Got it. Okay, yeah. so you guys kind of cover a spectrum yeah. of different issues, I guess, that TAs could end up experiencing mm-hmm. in their role. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I'll leave it with one more question. What do you wish students knew about PSAC that maybe we don't or that we take for granted about PSAC? Um, oh, one thing is, like, I wish students would start seeing themselves as workers that really bothers me a lot of times um, because of the dual role we kind of solely see ourselves as graduate students and don't realize that we are workers Um, we are unionized workers and you do have a lot more rights than non-unionized workers like there's nowhere else um, not true nowhere else that's not unionized um, 
that you wouldn't be able to like go to your employer with representation, right? Like th- like this is such a great this is such a great thing to have, and I don't feel like people take advantage of it, and it really bothers me. Um, or people like only come to us when they're like they really really need us, and I wish they wouldn't because we can help solve issues before they get hostile. Um, uh, or or just realizing too, like I've seen a lot of cases where like people aren't tracking their hours and that drives me nuts because that's work that you get paid for and people go, well, I care about my students, so I want to put extra work in. Well, you also like those are your wages. That's your livelihood. That's what's getting you for grad school. So don't exploit yourself. Right. Like mm-hmm. like you're letting the employer exploit you because I don't even think your department chair or your direct supervisor wants you to work all those hours. But they do and they don't record them. And so we have no idea sometimes how many hours people have worked overtime. Um, so I just wish people would start seeing themselves as workers who are making a wage and this wage supports you and your living. It's not a part of your student role. It's actually employment and you it's unionized employment. And there's not a lot of places in Canada where you have this much protection. So, like, really take advantage of it. Right. Yes. Yeah. One of the actually one of the courses I TA'd last year and hope to get again is um, they asked me after every week to update my hours. We'd oh, always keep great. a recorded spreadsheet of everyone who's TAing that course has their hours recorded by week. So then there's always a total. So then once we saw it hitting like approaching the 120, or it's like okay, your hours are starting to build up. So and it's save it's November. We can only do so much now. Yeah. At mm-hmm. that point, so or you can readjust the hours. Exactly. The yeah. They move mm-hmm. you more to the more important stuff than and say don't bother about the small things. Yeah, now. I'll handle it. Right. Like yeah. the supervisor will pick up that yeah. work, and that's actually supposed to happen. Um, in addition, like you're also stressed out from your own research and like maybe your own course work. So I don't understand why people want to work more during that time. That's insane to me. Um, or at least if you're going to work more, get paid for that. So you're getting uh, compensated for the stress you're experiencing. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's the next can of worms of when it comes back to graduate finances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole different yeah, story. That'll yeah, that'll be in the next episode. That'll be yeah. next episode. <laughs> for the course that I actually TA, it's very similar. My, uh, the supervisor I work for, she actually made Google Sheets and we just updated it. And so every time I'm about to start working or I go to the lab and start doing hours, I just put in the time that I start. And then as soon as I'm finished, I put in the time that I finish. And oh, so it's like it. a log. Exactly, yeah. And it's she made them, but it's really easy to make. Like you literally just put time in, time out, date, yeah. what activity you did, and just update it every time you do it. And it's really simple to do. There's also, yeah. we have our tracking sheets on our website yeah, under resources. Okay. So if you go psac610.ca and click under resources, um, you'll have our tracking sheets that you can yeah. use to track your own hours if your supervisor isn't that awesome. Yeah. Um, or there's this app called Clockify. It's free. Anyone can download it. And it just logs like different tasks you've done in your workplace. Um, and I think it was designed for that purpose for workplaces where you have to like log your hours. Yeah, there's many resources okay. that you can use. And we'll link to the, the PSAC website. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, with that then, Caitlin, um, do you want to give us any contact information, whether it's you, other members of PSAC, PSAC's website? For where sure. do you want yeah. students to reach you guys? Or what information would you like us to post? Um, I would say if it's a direct issue with your workplace conditions, um, contact your department steward or your chief steward. So department stewards is we have elected people in each department. Some departments don't have any just because no one wants to like volunteer for the position. If that's the case, go to your chief steward. We have that contact information on our website. 
which is psac610.ca for a second time. Um, and you will have like the names and their contact information where you can reach out to that person. Um, so for example, if you're in like social sciences, we have a chief steward that just looks after the social sciences. And so you can go find that online. Um, if it's talking about like general things or you want to just like get more involved or you want to like want us to come do other stuff, we sometimes like go and do events. Um, I'm helping out with one of SOG's committees right now we're doing like a free speech panel and like I had a lot of resources for that so I've been helping out you can contact me which is just prez p-r-e-s p-s-a-c 610 at gmail.com great yeah okay well with that thanks so much Caitlin for coming on this has been wonderful and very informative yeah um with that we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about the TA experience yeah so uh thank you Caitlin for coming on the show uh your insight on PSAC has been very very useful and thank you very much no problem uh, so this has been gradcast the official radio show and podcast of the society of graduate students at western university if you'd like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com you can follow us on instagram facebook or twitter at, at gradcast radio if you would like to listen to us we are on chrw 94.9 every tuesday at 6 p.m also you can listen to all of our podcasts on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Alternatively, select podcasts can be watched on YouTube at, at Gradcast Radio. This episode with our guest, Caitlin Mitri, was hosted by Gavin Tolometti and Monica Lanaro and was produced by Gregory Robinson. Thank you for listening and have a great night. Okay, we're back and it's myself, Gavin, and Greg. Greg, can you say hi? What's up? There's Greg. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about the TA experience. So we're so glad that Caitlin come on and tell us about a little bit more of the taking for granted aspects of being a TA. And now we'd figure we'd sit and talk about more of the general experiences or maybe things that people know about being a TA, what our experiences were like being TAs. We've also asked people on social media to submit stories to us about some of their experiences being TAs, and we're going to go over those. And I've heard we've got some pretty funny ones, so I'm really excited. So to start, how about we briefly say what our experience has been being a TA, what kind of courses we've TA'd, how long we've TA'd for, what kind of responsibilities we've had, just because between the three of us, it seems like we're kind of on a spectrum of responsibility here. Yeah, it does help that we're all from different departments, so... Yeah. And each one does offer different types of courses, not even just topics, just in general structure. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how you guys have TA'd over the years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, who wants to start? Okay, you know what? I'll start because both of you did that weird inhale thing, and I don't know why. Um, So I was was building the tension. Oh god! I was expecting you to start anyway. Okay, I will start. (laughs) Um, So I have six years of TA experience, and that TA experience spans across three different universities. Um, In terms of what I've done as a TA. A lot of it has been proctoring. Fun fact, actually, in undergrad, the word for proctoring was invigilating. So I'd always known proctoring as invigilating. And then when I went to a different university and I was like, oh, I have to invigilate tonight. Nobody knew what I was talking about. And that's when I learned that every other university on the planet uses the word proctor instead of invigilate. So that was something that I learned while TAing. So I've had to proctor um, exams in midterms. I've taught multiple guest lectures. I've had to teach tutorials on a weekly basis. I've been responsible for marking, whether that's by hand or Scantron or reading essays, developing questions for midterms and exams. Um, I think that pretty much runs the gamut of what I've had to do in my 
capacity as a TA. I've never, I've never had to run any labs myself, no. no. So I think then I should go next because my main role is to run labs. <laughs> and okay. so I've, I've only done two semesters of TAing. The course that I TA is only for one semester, and it just repeated. This was last year, and I'm doing the same course coming up this year. And essentially, my main responsibility is show up for the four hours each week for the lab. And pretty much, like, my main thing is make sure they don't die, first of all, but also to, like, uh, assist them in doing certain uh, laboratory techniques, essentially. Mm -hmm. I also do a little bit of marking, and I'll listen to their presentations and mark their presentations. Mm, But that's pretty much it. The majority of my time is just in the lab. And so I don't, I've never made questions. I've only proctored one exam and it was for only half an hour. Oh my God. Yeah. Lucky and then, you. <laughs> then my supervisor's like, all right, you can just go. Ugh. She's amazing. Um, quick shout out to Dr. Campbell if you're listening. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, like I don't even, I, I've only proctored one, right? And so I, I kind of want to proctor more, but at the same time, I'm like, I shouldn't say that. No. Because so many, I hear so many people like proctoring like every other week or something. And it's like, I don't want to do that. It just gets yeah. very boring. Yeah, no. Honestly, because yeah. you're not allowed to do anything while you're proctoring except watch the students, right? Yeah. I think like half an hour is the perfect amount of time to proctor because it's like, oh, I'm here doing my proctoring or invigilating as you call it. <laughs> yeah. I literally just looked it up. Didn't even know that was a word. Invigilating. No yeah. one knows it's a word I didn't until know that I was bring a word. it up. Yeah, when like, are you... What? Again, I wasn't sure. I <laughs> uh, every time I said anything. invigilating, like whoever I was speaking to, if I said the word invigilate and they had never heard that word before, they always associated it with interrogate. So they always thought I was like interrogating yeah, no, my students. And it was just like, I'm not interrogating. Like I'm invigilating. It was just so frustrating that no one literally except me and all my friends from undergrad knew what invigilating So this is some terrible office hours. Come on in. We got to invigilate today. Like, we got to talk about your assignment. It is a very scary. I mean, compared to Proctor, like invigilate's yeah. a pretty scary sounding word. Yeah, no Proctors. Much. So I have nice, to ask yeah. Greg. When you're in the labs, are you one of the TAs that just stand around and judges the students, or are you the one that will help them if they look? They def- they desperately need it. Oh, if they desperately need it, I need. I have to. St- like that's kind of like my main role <laughs> to step God. in. Yeah, no. Like I essentially like my supervisor. For this course, she will teach the course pretty much. And we have a sort of, I want to say like lab manager sort of role of a person. And so they teach the course, the two of them, but it's mainly the supervisor. And the TAs for this course will walk around and make sure that the students are doing things properly, doing what they're supposed to be doing, and just following good technique. If they are making mistakes, we want to correct them as quickly as possible because this is very, it's molecular based work. And so if you make one mistake early on, it kind of messes up your whole experiment. Mm. And so we want to prevent that from happening. Definitely. Yeah, because yeah, after you said that, I just get flashbacks from when I took chemistry in my undergrad, and I had the worst proctors. Yeah. They would... I what I made one mistake. It wasn't a dangerous mistake, like uh, accidentally creating phosphorus oxides. I'm like, how okay. could you let that get out? It was more like accidentally spilt some chemical on the table but wasn't toxic or anything yeah but they would they spent the rest of the lab just constantly judging me and making comments and this was point when i was still a little bit introvert so i didn't really talk to the professor at the time yeah but it just reminds me that i had to deal with those people 
and it put me off chemistry forever. Yeah. Mm, they I, are, I, I don't know if you're that. out there. You're the reason I hate chemistry now. And <laughs> I used to love chemistry until these proctors who thought they were the king of the worlds decide, oh, look at this first year. He made a apparently a rookie error, which, again, I wouldn't know as you're a rookie error. You're a first error. year. You are a rookie. Exactly. And you say, like, well, how could you make that yeah. mistake? And then, yeah. So, no, the course that I TA, it's a fourth-year lab course. And so we do expect a little bit more from students. But like in first year, we give them just literally, we tell them what to do. We give them the protocol. And we we expect them to be able to do it, essentially. Right. And sometimes it's not always the case. There are some people that have no lab experience. Many people in this course don't. But many people, half I would probably say, do. And so the half that do usually do pretty well. And the half that don't need a little bit of help. And we just assist them there. That's fair. Yeah. I had an orgo TA. I took organic chemistry. And during one lab, I messed up the experiment. And they made me stay back by myself and redo the experiment for an hour and a half after the lab. Ouch. And I left crying completely in tears. And then they're like, well... I can't really give you a good mark on this lab because you screwed it up so bad and you had to redo it anyways. And I was like, so then why did you make me redo it? That's terrible. <laughs> like, I'm already crying and whatever. And yeah. now you're telling me this as well. Like, it was just, it was honestly cruel. Yeah. And this person was also just not a nice person. Seems more of a power play than more of a proctor. Oh, <laughs> I left proctor in responsibility. tears. I was so upset. Yeah. So upset. Yeah, no, we don't do that. Like, we've had people make mistakes in the course and sometimes you can fix it. But it's also it. expected that people are going to make mistakes. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Some some mistakes, like, is it's reasonable. Like, there's other mistakes, like, it says do 200, and for some reason they did 75 instead, like, mm. of milliliters of some solution. And right. it's like, what were you doing? Guys, like math. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Yeah, 10 but, mils um, is one thing, but 125. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a big difference. But there's, there's certain things you can, like, save. And then sometimes, like... You just, they messed up the entire experiment. And so we're just like, okay, you're going to use, for the next step, you're just going to use one of your lab mates stuff instead. Mm. Like their the their cells or something. And based off their results. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's not really a huge deal. And to be honest, I'm the type of TA that like, I don't want to stay there for an extra hour and a half. So I'm not going to make somebody redo something. And my supervisor's probably the same way. So yeah, we, we're not, we're not unreasonable people. We're very reasonable. And... But it is a fourth-year course, so it's a little bit different than, like, a first-year course. You have some assumptions yeah. about what knowledge they're bringing into, and what skills that they're bringing into the course. Exactly, right? yeah. Maybe it's just a chemistry thing. Maybe just all chemistry proctors are just <laughs> apparently evil people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I, I have friends in chemistry, and I love them. I'm not – it's yeah. not you guys. I love you. No, no. <laughs> hopefully they're not like these ones. <laughs> I think it's more first-year courses because you get so many people that have no lab experience at all, and they make so many mistakes. And there are some people that, like – they shouldn't even be doing a chemistry course, to be honest. Like, they just have no interest. They have no background. They didn't do anything in high school related it, to it. I guess then it just comes yeah. into they had to fill the credits. Yeah. And it's like this and yeah, if you're doing a degree in science, like, yeah. you have to take a chemistry, And then, it, like, for a TA that is, like, majoring or not majoring, they're, like, doing their thesis in a chemistry-based program. It's like you then have this first-year student that's, like, 17 or 18 that knows nothing about chemistry. And you're trying to talk to them about how to do this certain experiment. And you're talking yeah. to, like, hundreds of them, depending exactly. on the labs that you run, yeah. right? Because there's usually, what, like, 30 students in a lab. There's multiple labs a day, mm -hmm. and then there's multiple labs a day per week. Yeah. So you have so. to you have to look at both sides. But, like, there are some, like, very unreasonable TAs. But I try to be nice and I was about to say, we'd helpful. like to think that we're not them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the other TAs. It, no, yeah, it's not point, me. It gets a point, like, yeah, it gets frustrating, but then yeah. it doesn't really justify being evil 
Um, no. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it really does. It's like I understand yeah. if you're getting frustrated. It's like okay, I've already explained this like five times. That's yeah. a different story. But if it's like first time and you think, oh, I'm gonna judge you forever now, yeah. that's more of a. I don't know if it's more of an ego. That, that's unreasonable. That's unreasonable. Yeah. In our lab, like at. we sometimes do have to explain things five times. And then and when that happens, we get a little upset. You're going like... It's like we ha- you have a <laughs> protocol. Like it literally is written the there. You could, you could read it. Or like there. people won't even read the protocol before coming to the lab. And like you're... you, It's really important for you to do that. That, that just right? That's what you're and... doing. Yeah. yeah. Some labs you just can't wing. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, no. You, you just can't. And if you're in a fourth year course, like you should be reading things before you show up. Yeah. Right. Oh, Ho- yeah. Hopefully. You yeah. think, right? You should. Yes, okay. exactly. So. What do you do? Gavin? Yeah. What do you do, Gavin? <laughs> yeah. yeah well, sorry. I've actually dabbled in a few because I keep try different things. So I haven't had that kind of lab setting. We were, yeah. I've have I've proctored an online course. That was the first um, TA ship I got. Okay. We can coming here. I've also TA'd a geochem lab, but when we say lab, it's more just computer lab. Mm. Uh, an astrobiology lab, which again it's computer lab based, and then outreach. Okay. Which and I have to say, out of all of those, the online one was not my favorite. Really. Only bec- mainly because it was all essays, Ooh. and marking essays is that's annoying. Takes a lot so, of time. And they're all different. You have a marking criteria, like as long <laughs> as they hit these, they talk about these topics in a certain way, they get the points. But the problem is you start to discover everyone doesn't have a consistent grammar or spelling or understanding that chemical elements should not be capitalized in mid-sentence. And again, <laughs> if you've never taken a science before, I, I, it's like, I'm not judging for that. It's just I sometimes leave comments saying, like, just a heads up, you don't capitalize this unless it's at the start yeah. of a sentence. Same with not capitalizing planets. That's a whole different story. Um, but it was... Oh, it's Gavin's got some specific <laughs> No, that's a whole argument in the... Especially the lunar community, community. It's like, should we capitalize moon all the time or should we not? I agree, think we should. Oh. <laughs> it makes Controversial. More sense. It's, it's the moon, not a moon. That's what, That's why I see it. Oh. Well, it is a moon. There but are many our, other but moons. It's, but it's called the moon. That's because it's our moon. It. Okay, yeah, it's our moon. We I see that. the moon. Wait, the moon. Yeah, so capitalize well, getting, it. We just I'm, solved the problem. Right yeah, there, there we go. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> it's already done. There's no. But going back, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's actually outreach. I found to be one of my favorites. What, what are you specifically saying about like outreach? I don't. I don't know what you, you're. Uh, yeah, well, outreach. I'm in just for context for everyone out there. I'm in the Earth and Planetary Science Department, and outreach for us is we go to schools around London and around south, Southwest Ontario or towards Toronto, and we go to uh, middle schools, high schools, elementary schools, and we just teach kids about different and aspects. And that's your job? That's your TA That's my TA That's so cool. Yeah. No way. That's it's a lot different because the hours not like labs or courses. It's not consistent. Yeah. So Yeah, you're a little bit all over the place. Yeah, it depends really on the schedule. Some weeks, not much is going on, so I have a lot of free time to go and research, but then there's other weeks where it's every day we have something, yeah. and sometimes if it involves travel, it's like you don't have the time to work on your research. So. I didn't know that was even a thing that you Neither could did do. I. I think that's really yeah. cool. It depends. I think... As far as I'm aware, we might be the only department that actually offers this type of outreach TA ship. I could be wrong. I know engineering has outreach, but I don't know if it's a TA, a TA thing ship, yeah. or it's something. Do I separate. have to be in the Earth Science Department? Yeah, really. The, well, there's other things like theory, let's no, talk science, de- and you can in go theory, no. If they yeah. really couldn't get TAs, they'd always uh, reach out. Science based, but like 
Yeah. You Honestly, same, I really like my TA ship, so I don't think it matters. Yeah. I watched a lot of Magic School Bus on their like planetary episodes. Not yeah. sure if that would help or not. But, uh... I, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. You have had a different TA ship for each semester, it sounds like, or something like that. You haven't had the same one over and over again. What is is that done on purpose? Was that just by accident or at first it was by just... accident? Yeah. Okay. And then it came to last year. I did outreach in the fall term, but then I wanted just to see what another course was like, so I requested if I can go to astrobiology. Okay. But now I I have a strong. I think I am going to be going back into outreach this coming term, which I'm happy about because I really did miss it, and it really helps science communication. Even if it's not towards people at your same your same level, it still helps yeah. test your ability to explain work that can sound complicated to high school students or elementary school students. Yeah, it's like knowledge translation at its finest. And I have to say, we go to some gifted schools. Some of these, like usually 10 years old, I find them smarter than some of the undergrads I've teached. Oh, my God. I don't want to feel any more imposter <laughs> syndrome because I'm sure some of these 10-year-olds are smarter than us, But again, too. it's a gifted <laughs> like, school. They, were, yeah. they naturally are... They're cleverer than the average uh, school child. That's hilarious. So, and some of them, they like they get things faster. They're very enthusiastic. They want to know more. Sometimes they really want to get into the nitty gritty, which I actually like because it means I I can actually talk about more details instead of having to be as basic as possible. Yeah. But I just like it because I can actually learn how to communicate properly and clearly to someone who's not in my field. Right. Hmm. But uh, but Monica, since so we've looked at all the different um types of TAing, have we? I think we've got a couple of um, stats about teaching with graduate students. Yeah, the only one we really got, Vicky, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, did a quick poll on social media just to see out of the graduate students that follow our accounts, you know, how many of you have TA during your graduate student experience? And 82% of students said that they have a TA ship. So there's 18% of students that have not TA during their graduate student experience. And is this just hmm. Western or is this everywhere like to span I think out these to are just Ontario. people that subscribe to the podcast so this could be western but this could also be other universities within okay. Ontario so hmm. I find that interesting because I know that every graduate student position I've had it's required that you do a yeah TA. Mm-hmm. so as a person in PSAC I'm the biological chief steward for PSAC if you if you're in your first six semesters for a master's or four years for uh, something that's 12 semesters for your PhD, then you are guaranteed uh, a TA ship. And so you should be TAing unless you choose not to. So if you're not actually getting a TA ship, um, you you should contact PSAC Mm -hmm. and we can help get you one. We're not in charge of hiring anybody, but if they're specifically saying we're not going to give you one and you're guaranteed, then this is a problem. And we need to grieve for it. Okay. But other yeah. than that, you should be. You should be. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. And just to clarify, like, you don't you don't get one, like, during the, the summer or something like that. Like, not everybody's guaranteed during the summer. Because like, I only TA in the fall and the winter, winter, term. winter yeah. terms. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm guaranteed for those. But in the summer, I don't. Right. Right. Which kind of just makes sense since there's less students here in the summer. But Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think people also have a kind of to get not necessarily off track, but I think people have some um, generalizations of what they think TAs do or like we literally just sit and mark and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I know, you know, when I hear my friends talk about their experiences TAing or even like between us when we we're discussing some of our experiences, um, things have emerged, I think, for all of us amongst ourselves and our students that 
take us a little bit off guard and aren't necessarily fully our responsibility as TAs, but they end up (laughs) happening anyways. And it just ends up being like really funny. So I was thinking we asked um, people to submit to us on social media or to email us directly about funny or interesting experiences that they've had as a TA. And I figured we'd transition into this segment now if anyone wanted to start off with an interesting or funny story about their time as a TA. My time... I don't have one that's funny more than just what I found shocking. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say what course, but um, a part of the assignment was to, they were given raw data, and one of the questions was just plot this into a graph and you get marks. It was the simple instructions. Okay. It's when I found out, this is a second year course, by the way, I found out that students did not know how to operate Excel. <laughs> I think that's pretty common. Uh, really? I, really? I, I was yeah. taught Excel, all the Microsoft offices when I was 11 in school. It yeah. was a mandatory thing for us to learn. Well, I, I took I, business in yeah. high school, and that's how I learned that how to That was IT use. for us. It was basic IT. I, I can understand that there, there are some people out there that maybe just haven't used a computer very much, or they just... It's not just really, haven't used Excel. It's not yeah. really. Against, it's not actually against yeah. them. It's against the schools. Real, yeah, exactly. You yes, there must be at least one point in there. Yeah, the school should say like, "All right, we're going to go to the computer lab. You're going to learn the basics of Microsoft Word, yes. PowerPoint, yeah. Excel. You should know those three because yeah. they're used in every you should discipline. like even if you're not being taught how to use them in school. I feel like many of us have just used them for high school courses, like. Mm-hmm. There are just things that you can, it's much easier to do in like PowerPoint or Excel or Word. Yeah. yeah. Many people will just take notes in Word, right? Yeah. And so I, I yeah. for me, it's kind of a surprise, but like I do understand that there are many people out there that just maybe didn't have a computer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't find that that shocking. I, I, it might have just been what I was taught and it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I found that very shocking. I, I found it shocking right now, to be okay. honest. You heard me <laughs> laugh. I will give you a shocking story that's actually shocking. Okay. I'm not going to oh, okay. say <laughs> what course it was, but I had to give a guest lecture. Um, and once again, I've TA'd at three different universities and I've had to give guest lectures at all of them. So, but regardless, I had to give a guest lecture and there's a student in this course who, he wasn't a troublemaker. He could definitely cause a ruckus. Like you knew him by name immediately. The student, just because he was one of those students, very rambunctious, a little bit obnoxious really, but he was like a sweetheart deep down. And so one day as I was giving my lecture and I'm talking, I look up and he's sitting there and pulls a full cucumber out of his backpack. <laughs> you told me this one. Oh, I think you told me this one, yeah. And he just takes a full bite into it like it's a banana. And it was shocking. Did he do it, <laughs> did he do it slowly and seductively or just animalistic? Just not even animalistic. It was a bit in between. We made eye contact. <laughs> well, that's was, when you know. <laughs> and literally, I stopped and I just went, did you just take a bite out of a cucumber? Like, I actually stopped lecturing because it shocked me so much and he was like yeah I don't understand what the problem is and I was like true because <laughs> I guess really there wasn't a problem with it and then later on in the semester they had to submit a final project um, and they were allowed to submit this project in creative formats and that could be like storybook Bristol board like whatever they could submit in multiple formats video and he decided to submit it as a story and the final picture at the end of his book was a picture of him lying in bed cuddling a half-eaten cucumber <laughs> to, like, highlight the fact that he did that during class, and it shocked me so badly. So. I think, first of all, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Any future students of mine, do not do that. <laughs> yeah. Mine is, my, our course is not. I don't think as, you can even have yeah, to do I don't that. Think it's much, course it's very that. professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. But 
first but to that guy bravo like that's hilarious <laughs> fair play actually yeah. yeah not anyone can just go in stare make eye contact with the speaker and then that's eat confidence a right there yeah that is confidence oh god next thing you know he's gonna be eating a bell pepper like an apple <laughs> there's something it was, it was just it was and once again like it was right in the middle of lecture just like pulled it out of his backpack and just ate the cucumber it just it shocked me this, this yeah. beats eating carrots at a movie theater now yeah this beats it <laughs> Don't think it's gonna. I don't. I'm trying to think what could probably top that. We'll have to listen out. <laughs> yeah. See if there's another yeah. story. I know a girl once we went to the movies and she pulled a full ice cream sundae out of her purse. Wow. I'm not gonna lie. I literally was at the movies last night with a couple of my friends and we pulled out like a bunch of different candies, <laughs> things. Someone's gonna which, pull like, out like that. a Costco yeah, yeah. rotisserie chicken yeah. one day. And <laughs> I found it at like Silver City. They now sell beer. So yeah. just like yeah, why they don't have, why they don't, have don't a we bar the back. yeah yeah why don't we just pull out beer. Like, nobody would question it. They'd be like, oh, it's just a beer that they got from the beer spot. You probably have to check which brands they sell first. I've checked. Don't get... I take the crap. Summer's B. All right, you guys. We're getting yeah. off track. Anyways, yes. yes. Back I, to TA stories. Okay, one, I do... Yeah, you want to oh, first? Actually, no, you haven't said one yet, so I think you do should... Do you have one? I, I want to just talk about meeting students outside of the classroom. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think every yeah. TA has experienced that at yeah. some point office or another. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Like, not even, not even in office hours, but like... Over, like... Just, like, out in the world. Oh, okay. Yeah, but maybe we can talk about office hours as or, well. Oh, but. I was going to say, like, having friends who are friends with your students. Yeah. I've had that happen before. Yeah. I don't think I've had that. Oh, I've had people. I had a student in my second semester of last year who I, he did a fifth year. And then I ended up teaching the course that he was taking and we were the same age. We had gone through university together. We had taken like the third year course for this program together. And then he didn't do it in fourth year. I did it in fourth year. And then when he was in fifth year, he took the course and I was his TA. Oh my God. Wow. And so like I was literally like his part, his lab partner, like in a previous course. And we were, we were buddies. And, and so like, and yeah. now you're mocking now, his assignments. Now I'm literally his TA. I never actually did mark anything of his, which I think is a conflict. But, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, at the same point, it was just like it, it was it was cool to be honest. Yeah. But like there was no because I, I never marked anything of his. It wasn't a big deal. Was that your yeah. example of students outside of the classroom? No, no, oh. no, not at all. Oh. What I, I I've seen people at like the, the spoke, right? I've okay. been like, if you come up to me and say hi and whatnot, I'll give you like a good, you know, ten second conversation. Amazing. Maybe even 20. Who doesn't love a good... Oh, yeah. 20 seconds. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm not going to, like, stop my entire day and talk to you and be very overly friendly. Like, I'm not going to do that, well, honestly. No, it depends on the conversation. Yeah? yeah? You would? I, again, it really just depends on the conversation. As long as they don't yeah. ask me about the course, I'm like, oh, it's out of hours. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I don't want to talk about the course at all outside yeah. of hours. I think the most I've ever gotten is just like, oh, hey, how's your day? Yeah, it's okay. How's yeah. yours? Like, yeah, it's been good. Okay, I'll see you yeah. later. Yeah, That's as far like as I've gone. Yeah. So one of my students used to work at the rec center. And so I would work out. I would still work out at the rec center. And so I would see her like every time I went and worked out. And so, like, we would occasionally talk, and sometimes it was, like, she would want to know about the course, but, like, many times it wasn't at all. And so, like, I don't think that's a big deal. No. No, that's as not As long as you deal. keep thing, like, everything professional, yeah, right? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. I've had students who are friends with friends of mine message my friends, and this has happened before, where they're like, oh, you know Monica? And they'd be like, yeah, and they're like, yo, Monica's really hot. Like, can you tell her that, like, <laughs> X, Y, Z? Like, weird stuff like that. And I'm always like, that is... 
that's gross. Like that's not that's not okay. And I'm not entertaining any of that kind of business. No. I've had that happen before. Yeah. I have been hit on by previous students. <sighs> yeah. Well, I was like out not in like the lab or anything, but like outside of the course, yeah. I think that has happened that's to multiple weird. friends of mine. Yeah, don't do that. Just don't do it, guys. Don't hit on your TAs, guys. Yeah. Please. Yes, that's weird. Yeah. That one's a little weird. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gavin? You have... <laughs> Any other uh, weird stories to begin with? I have got a weird story. It's not okay. about me. It was That's okay. from through social media. Okay. And Oh, watch the water on the table. There we go. Okay. So this one made me laugh because I met the, this person actually three, three weeks prior to this day. I was in the field. Okay. And she told me this story and she uh, regurgitated it to me. So I had a student sit on a cactus, and I had to wax the spines out of her. We had to have a very awkward but necessary consent type of chat prior to because there were a lot of spines. So how do you just sit on a cactus? Well, I can get to that. Uh, the next day, I had to wax spines out of a super hairy dude's leg. The real lesson here is that you should obviously bring wax strips in the field with you when working in the desert. Oh, okay, so this was field work. It's not like yeah. they were... Oh, oh no, my... it wasn't in the field. This okay. wasn't in a lab. This was in the field. I perceive this as like they're sitting in class and they randomly sat on a cactus. No, yeah. The context, <laughs> it was in the desert. I can't remember which state it was, but I'm assuming Arizona or New Mexico. But that was... She needed to do it twice. One was the hairy dude's leg. Another one was a girl, and she sat directly onto <gasps> a cactus. Oh, my god! And that's where the waxing had to go. Mm. So... can. Hence the consent type of chat. Yeah. Oh my god. Because you can't just automatically start doing it. You still have to say, Can "This I, is the yeah. situation. Without a doubt, Are you yeah. allowing me to do this?" That is beyond yeah. any responsibility of any TA I've ever heard of. Yeah. So I could never <gasps> complain if something like, yeah. "Oh, I stubbed my toe." TA it's of like the year easy. right there, by yeah, the way. Yeah, she wins any TA award ever. Oh, but I've got another one. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh my god. Now moving into the classroom. Okay. So, I once had a student, first day of an intro, like, ask me, how old are you? 38? I'm really into older women. <laughs> I tell my students that it was the dumbest thing I've ever heard a student say, and therefore any question they might have on any material, no matter what it was, can't be as dumb as this, so hence will never be a dumb question. Uh, P.S. I was 27 or 28 when the student asked me this okay, question. That's, wow. So that's insulting, <laughs> A. B. Gross. Oh, yeah. Very. <laughs> very gross. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Just don't do it. I don't like that. Yeah. But like yeah, some some students, are... I would say like maybe don't even ask about their age. Like I don't think it's that big of a deal, but okay. at the same time, it's like don't assume what their can, age is actually, and then I say ask like this don't... person that submitted that story. Yeah. yeah, I'm assuming it was a woman, right? You said that person yeah, was yeah. into older women. Yeah, exactly. I find that you know, in my perspective as a woman who has TA'd, I find that we or often get more comments about our appearances, our relationship status, then our male colleagues who TA with us. And just as an example, for one class, um, I gave another guest lecture and I had asked the class, you know, I would really appreciate it if you guys gave me some feedback on my lecture. So if you guys could just rip a piece of paper from your notebook or whatever and write me some feedback and give it to me at the end of class, that would be great. You don't have to put your name on it. It's totally anonymous. It's totally voluntary. Like you don't have to do it. I would just really appreciate it. As soon as they heard anonymous, this one, like, all right. Okay. Given the past. I started opening up and I can guarantee you 50% of them were about my appearance. Like literally, like your lipstick looks great. That was a great outfit. 
your makeup looks good today. You look very pretty today. 50% and it was like, that high? Yeah. I was like, guys, I asked you for feedback about my lecture. I didn't, like, I. this was completely unsolicited. I yeah. wanted feedback on the lecture. So those are my two hmm. cents for that. <laughs> I know. I, I just want to I, I don't, put this out there. Yeah. I had never, ever said anything like that to a lecturer because not really a pig that's why <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't think you should do that but the other thing is you don't actually know if those were guys or girls I don't. that's true like a girl could just be thinking like oh you know she's looking no, good like i want to say that to you and 100 like, at the but same time again, you shouldn't the end... that's inappropriate at that time yeah but like yeah. i don't think a male colleague if he were asking for feedback would get that much commentary back on their appearance yeah i don't think so either no, regardless so. of who was in the class the demographics of the class that's right. Yeah. So. I have had, like, a people ask me about my height. I've had people ask me about my age because I look pretty young. You do I look, look like young. a baby. Baby Greg. I, I think the, baby Greg. the common question, I've always got yeah. a question about where I'm from. Because of your accent. Yeah, yeah, the accent throws them off. They right. can't tell if I'm an American or a Brit, so. Yeah. American? I, you'd be surprised. I've been mistaken <laughs> for an Australian. And, to, uh, and for I a can't Brit. See, I can't see American Exactly, but for a Brit, that's insulting. Like, yeah. a, like mistaking that's an Australian true, that's for true, a Brit. Yeah. Or a, ah. mistaking a Canadian for American or vice versa. It's. Okay. But either way. Which, in yes, fact, but... just being insulted for being mistaken for an Australian is a little bit insulting to Australians. Yeah. <laughs> There's an insult chain happening. We, dump, yeah. we dumped them on that island for a reason. Oh. <laughs> okay, we're going to go back to yeah. teenage now. That's Gavin's I opinion can't, only. No, yeah. That's, that's my dad jokes coming through. Yeah. Okay. Gavin expresses his own opinions. Australians are awesome. Okay. Um, no, they are. They're really nice. Let me see. Okay, we've got a couple other that were submitted here. Um one of these stories is a friend of a friend was a TA for a lab course. So for those of you in the sciences who have used a pipette, you know that there's a recommended measurement that's like a maximum yeah. when you mm -hmm. use a pipette. And you shouldn't go over that maximum. Mm -hmm. And apparently in this course, there was one student who used to get frequently upset with this TA and would just look at the TA like dead in the eye and purposely adjust their pipette beyond the maximum. <laughs> Take away all pipettes from this yeah. person. No pipettes for anyone. Um, wait, wait, quick pause. Yeah. You guys pronounce it pipette? Yeah. yeah, pipette. How do you pronounce it? Pipette. Pipette? That's how I pipette? was. Pipette? Pipette. Like, get your pipettes out. Pipette. No, I say pipette. Pipette. Not pipette. Yeah. I say yeah. pipette. Yeah. Well, apparently I say a lot of things wrong, so. Well, I don't know. It's it might wrong, be pronounced. I don't know. Yeah. Different Quote dialects, Gavin. Yeah. yeah, different dialects. Yeah. Same language. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's that Australian in you. No, <laughs> um, Vicky, who can be here today, said that um, for a course that she TA'd, students were supposed to submit a six-page assignment in 12-point font. And the student purposely submitted an assignment that was six pages but in 10-point font and had no margins. So the, it ended up equating to about 14 pages instead of six. Uh, no margins. <laughs> Why would you do that, first it's, of all? Like, why do you want to spend so much time doing that, to be honest? Like, I'm pretty lazy, so, like, that's my opinion. I don't even think that's laziness, because yeah. you still got to go through the effort of, one, removing the margins, and then deliberately typing this all out. Yeah. That's a lot it's of more. Yeah, that's out. not laziness. It's a, it's a lot of work. No, like, I'm saying I'm lazy, and I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> oh, fair. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> that's just a lot of work. I like, why would, you, if, why would you write 14 pages when you could write Maybe six? Maybe the student felt like what they had to say wouldn't have fit within the regular, yeah. like, six-page, 12-point, but still, yeah. like, 10-point font, no margins. <sighs> that's interesting. Like, I know. Yeah. I've got one other submitted one here, and then I've got, like, 
a repertoire of my own stories, but okay. the the other one that was submitted um, says, I once caught a student for plagiarism on an essay. He had copied several sentences out of a Wikipedia article, but oh. did the whole thing where he changed a few of the words here and there. There are two problems with this. One, the sentences that he copied were vastly more coherent than anything he'd ever previously written. <laughs> and two, the words he switched in made no sense in context. So he just added it in like random big he, words. He, he probably right clicked on the yeah. word and looked thesaurus. Synonyms. Yeah. Synonyms, yeah. Synonyms, yeah. And went like, what, word. What, oh, this sounds really professional. Yeah, professional. Yeah, sounds all. good. And then, then <laughs> yeah. he keeps going. It says, when called on to explain the near verbatim copied passages, he said, I thought we weren't supposed to cite Wikipedia in academic essays. So he thought it was fine to just copy and paste this entire Wikipedia article and not have to cite it. This was from, did you say from Vicky? No, this was from, this oh, was somebody a different else, somebody else, one, okay. yeah. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Are, yeah. Are you, well, do we know, like, what year of course this was? No. Because like if it was a first year, I'm like, still, yeah. like, you shouldn't. Really? But first first year, year, you shouldn't, but, but like, at the same time. I, I know many people that, like, kind of had that attitude in first year but like you lose that very quickly in first year if you oh, have that well some of you our yeah because some of our courses we deliberately say you are not allowed to cite wikipedia directly if you yeah. use wikipedia cite the reference that they use oh the original yeah. source yes it. which is because, just yeah like yeah you learn very quickly that you can just find the sources of and, wikipedia and, and some still yeah some still cite wikipedia like oh tell me about mars wikipedia slash mars Guys, and then I look at it Wikipedia. and I leave. I deliberately remove marks because we warned them and yeah. leave a comment saying we said in the itinerary do not cite yeah. Wikipedia. It's I think it's must a default because usually when you're at school that's like your go-to for information. It's yeah. like, oh, what does Wikipedia say? Like I will today still like go to Wikipedia to learn about things. And yeah, I think yeah. many people will. It's a great resource. It, yeah, really learning is, about it's not the issue. But... It's just you don't cite it. Wikipedia yeah. is a good first step. Yeah. It is not what you should be citing. It mm -hmm. is a first step to get you to what you should be looking up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Then go to Google yeah. Scholar and find the papers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, I'm trying to think. I've got a list. Okay, one of them, my students probably hated me. It was during a time period where Justin Bieber was releasing a lot of music. And <laughs> for people that don't know, I am a believer of sorts. Really? And Yeah. And so um, he used to have this thing called Music Monday. And I was teaching a tutorial every Monday. And so every Monday I'd be like, guess what, guys? It's Music Monday. And I would play Justin Bieber's new music <laughs> for my students. They didn't like me very much. That's just inappropriate, Mom. Yeah. That's not no, I'm inappropriate. <laughs> what if it was one of the inappropriate Canadian, Canadian What if it was an inappropriate song? It wasn't. Yeah, then you're fine. I think that's fine. Oh, they yeah. weren't yeah. inappropriate. It was just. Beaver. We've had space yeah. ambient music. I've had a. I've had courses. like a lecturer, just like in the middle of a math class, just stop and talk about how Zane was leaving. One Direction. One Direction. Thank you. Truly devastating. Yeah, and like she would give us updates. Like every class, <laughs> and we're just like, okay. So you're well informed about. Yeah, yeah. So we, we knew a lot about One Direction. I See? knew about. I knew my a students name. knew a lot about Justin Bieber yeah. by the time I was done with them. As yeah, too much and to research their methods. And much to their detest. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I don't think that's that bad because it can be a nice like little break from learning that will help just keep their focus. And so honestly, I think. That's not a terrible thing. As long as you're not doing it for the whole class. Oh, my God. Or even, like, no. half of it. No, not at all. It's like, hey, guys, it's Music Monday. Let's listen to Justin Bieber's new music. And then we'd listen to Justin Bieber's new music. But then, obviously, we would do work. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted everybody to listen to Justin Bieber. Yeah, no. I think that's perfectly acceptable, to be yeah. honest. There you yeah. go. Um, in terms of exams and proctoring, for one course, I had to write a couple of questions 
for their midterm um, based on a guest lecture that I had done. And I don't remember what the question was, but it was asking about a specific point within the guest lecture. And within the lecture, if we take a step back, it was a very emotional point of the lecture that the question was based off of. And actually during the lecture, I had started crying when I was teaching on the specific point. And so on the midterm, it was asked the question. I don't remember what the question was, but one student, I'll never forget. Um, it was like, what were the two things that Monica mentioned in her guest lecture on whatever the guest lecture was? And the student wrote, I can't remember the answer, but Monica cried during this part. <laughs> I'd give them half marks. <laughs> Literally, I think I wrote true and then half mark. <laughs> half mark brackets. You were paying attention then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were yeah. just like, I don't remember what it actually was, but Monica cried. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, they're not wrong because I did cry. I feel like a lot of people will will do something like that. Like it, a lot of TAs. Like we're not terrible people. We're, we're pretty reasonable, to be honest. I thought it was really Like we funny. probably shouldn't give them half mark for that, but... The, I thought it was really. There funny. is yeah. one thing I found very um, frustrating with TAing. It's when you've told the students that we can advance. This is when the assignments do. This time, this yeah. day, no, usually no exceptions after that, unless you hand in a teacher's notice, and that's okay. I don't know about you guys. Do you sometimes get emails the night before it's due asking how to do everything? Who doesn't? I actually but, don't have to oh. respond to any emails that I get, and they don't even have my email. So, like, I don't have to do that Oh, no, at if all. it's past five, I'm like, technically, I'm off hours. Yeah. So, if it's during the day, though, I'm looking at you, I'm like, you had all week yeah. to ask me these questions. Like, literally every single point was, uh, how, what does this mean? Are you sure? Yeah. How do you do this? I'm like, I told you in the lab, if you have any questions, ask me now or email me before it's yeah. due. And I wonder if they really took that to context. Like, well, technically, it's still before it's due. I'm like, <laughs> yes, but I can only ch- tell you so much. I've got other things in yeah. my schedule. At the same time, this isn't look good for you because... It shows that you left it to the last minute. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because you're extremely busy and have other commitments. That's fine. But if you deliberately left it. Well, it's also just it's, frustrating yeah. because then it's like it feels like it's expected of you to respond to these last minute panic emails. And yeah. sometimes as TAs, we don't have the time or, yeah, we're off the clock. Like, but there's that weird moral obligation that we feel that it's like, oh, you know what? I should be getting back to this student. Yeah. Like, I do have that moral obligation because I know like. I've been in that position where I'm like desperate. I definitely need help to finish an assignment. I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing. So I feel like I was in that position once. So I feel obligated to at least help them best way I can, but still put the notice that this you should have told me at least yesterday. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that like if you say like if it's after like 5 p.m. or something, you wouldn't have to answer that. But when I was previously in classes, quite often I would hear like a lecturer or even the TA say, hey, email me before this time on this day. Otherwise, I'm just not going to respond. Mm. And I think that's the way to go. Because if you clearly state like, hey, at this point afterwards, it's too late. Don't even email me. Most people will do it before then or they'll just they'll see the time and or the date or whatever. And they'll just be like, all right, it's after that. I'm not going to email them and I'll find another source. So have like a policy yeah. or guideline. In exactly. Place. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's a bad idea. And so I find that to be a really good idea because then students once it's after that time they'll just find another way to figure out the answer it's true also yeah. i go to bed at like 10 o'clock so if yeah. you're sending me those panic emails guaranteed i will be asleep yeah and so like <laughs> many many people like that did this it'd usually be like three or four days before the timeline that they'd be like you have to have like the whatever the date was for the assignment or something or the exam you would have to get your emails in by then and so like it would force people to actually study before the last three days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it was honestly i think it was a great idea 
Yeah. No, I think that's a good policy yeah, to have. Good policy, actually. especially if you. Okay, well, let's transition this into experiences with midterms, tests, or exams. Do y'all have any interesting experiences? I've only actually proctored a, only a couple. I only have one experience, not personal experience, but experience my friend had to go through when we proctored our first. Um, I think it was a midterm, where he was literally he caught someone clearly cheating because they were looking over the person. Yeah. I think it was it was in health sciences. It was like huge lecture hall. Okay. Yeah. And it, they were on the platform above, so mm-hmm. if you lean forward, you can get a glance glance at the person in front of you. So he clear, he wasn't being inconspicuous about it. He was just going like, mm-hmm. okay, that's what that wrote. And my friend stood right in front, not directly in front of, him, but right in front of him, staring at him, saying, "I can see what you are doing." And apparently, the guy made contact with him, and then turned back just to go back. Because I'm thinking... And just kept going? Just kept going. That's bold. It's bold. I don't know if it's either just did not care if he got reported for plagiarism or assumed like, they're not going to go through this. I can just keep doing this. We did file the complaint. We didn't go for a plagiarism report. His total mark just got cut in half. Okay. Oh my god! So he did terrible regardless, yeah. but then he did worse after getting caught. So See, I, think he I got always less find like something. the irony of that really funny is when you catch someone cheating on a midterm and exam, and the person they were cheating off has no idea what they're doing, That's so they both yeah. get horrible marks. Yeah, I love the irony. Yeah. Of so if he got a horrible mark, he got even worse mark. <laughs> yeah, I remember once when proctoring. Um, you know how students have to fill in that sign-in sheet when mm-hmm. they start the exam? You have to go up and down the aisles and get them all to fill that in. One girl, I remember, I stopped at her desk and handed her the sign-in sheet. And all of a sudden, she looks up at me all panicked. And she's like, I forgot my name. <laughs> That's when the stress is really yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and her student card was right there on the table. like Just Copy and paste right there, yeah. woman. <laughs> copy and paste, girl. Yeah. You'll be okay. Yeah. She's really stressed out. I One little that. tip for people out there, for TAs, is if you are proctoring an exam and you see somebody cheating, and they're likely not just going to do it once. They're probably going to like look over their shoulder of the person beside them or something like that multiple times. Pull out your phone and just record them doing it. Can you do that? Can you do that, though? Because I feel like that's uh, is that illegal? invading privacy. Why? Because you're filming someone without, without their consent. consent. You only have to have one-party consent here in Ontario. Oh, it's only one. My, that's my understanding. I only I, you know, the, the thing is, I only know about this type of consent for yeah. the states where they're very stingy yeah. about being. My under, my understanding is here in Ontario, you just need one party to record, one party consent to record. But I think that's audio, so I'm not too sure about video. Audio, but, I know you can record without consent. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's a good question. I don't know about video. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, but I would. Don't listen to Greg. Yeah, don't yeah, listen. I don't listen maybe to Greg. Just not do that. The, somebody. I know did this and it worked out really well for them. And so like they had proof that this person was cheating instead of just saying that this person cheated. See, that's interesting yeah. because as a proctor, they tell you as a proctor to put your phone away. Like you're yeah. not supposed to have your phone out. Exactly. Yeah. So I just find Oh, that you're saying like the proctor isn't supposed to have their phone out? Yeah. Oh, Technically no, well, because it gives a bad. Proctors. Yeah. Well, like when I TA when I proctored my one course I did, I just my supervisor is very relaxed and she's like do you have anything to do and i'm like i brought my phone i could read papers and she's like all right cool read papers and so i literally just went on my phone nerd and i, <laughs> oh, I, I actually I'm <laughs> I actually did read papers too oh, like God. i wasn't just on facebook or something but yeah but actually going to speaking of like examinations and mocks in general mm. have you guys ever had any experiences where you've been told to regrade something because either the mark's too low 
Oh, like grade to a curve almost? Almost, yes, but past the, like it's not April or it's not December anymore. Oh, no, never. Like I for courses that I've TA'd, we have policies in place. And a lot of the courses that I've TA'd, they don't have a final exam. It's more so like final papers or something like that. So there's a policy in place for how late students can go to appeal marks. Um, I've never had to do it past. I've had stu- I've had a student email me on Christmas Day complaining about their mark. And like it wasn't I, I don't want to say asking. It was like telling me to change their mark because they deserved a higher mark. I, I got this email on Christmas Day. I was did, like, one, how dare you? Two, no. Did they feel obligated for a high mark because of the tuition they paid? No, it was because um, the effort they put into the assignment was not reflected in the mark that they but received. But that that's not how that works. You can still put a lot of effort into something, but it just does not turn out great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always, I remember getting frustrated when I've seen someone put little effort to an assignment and it got better than mark better than mine. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that drives me crazy. Yeah. But... It, it's just that's just how Effort it works. doesn't necessarily equate to a good mark, yeah. right? Like, there's people who procrastinate. I'm not one of these people. I need to start everything, like, three months in advance. But I know people that would do an assignment the night before and get, like, a 90-something, and I would work on it three weeks in advance and get an 80-something. And I know that I worked significantly more and significantly harder. But once again, like, effort does not necessarily equate to a higher mark. So it's just frustrating when... As a TA, you get emails from students that are like, well, I deserve this mark. And it's like... That's not, we're not going on whether or not you're deserving. It's whether or not you followed the instructions. It's whether or not yeah. you followed the guidelines. It's whether or not you were listening to us when we were telling you what you need to do. Yeah, that's whether or not your writing was up to standard, whether or not you structured things correctly. Whether or not it's it showed some list. form of critical thinking or engaging with the course topics. It's yeah. not about whether or not you're deserving. Did you just do as you told or did you think outside the box? Because that gives you a lot more if you, yeah. Yeah. you go beyond what people are teaching you. Yeah. Before- and also emailing a TA on Christmas Day in an argumentative tone little rude it's not going to help you just don't be rude in emails first of all but i I just want to say before we end Mm -hmm. i just want to bring up the fact that generally in most courses that uh, i've been a part of and i've heard of is that when you're marking it's not usually like just one ta no quite often you have the tas get together they agree on how they're going to mark it at least in my course, that's the case. The supervisor also might give you just a, a rubric to yeah. use or, that's usually what or give you a guideline. Yeah. 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 And then in my course, at least, we have you mark somebody and then you give that to somebody else and then they will review your marking. Mm. And so qu- and then after that, we have uh, one person that's a little like uh, it's kind of like a little higher up in the TAs, like uh, they'll overview like all of them or they'll do like random spot checks, make sure that we are consistent. Yeah. And so when I've told this to students, many of them realize like, oh, that's actually really great. It's to know that that we're consistent, right? And so I think a lot of students just don't realize that we are really consistent. Or how hard we work at making sure that everything. Yeah. Yeah, we have that where, for example. I don't think they care how hard you work. No, not at all. Well, that's the thing. I'm deserving of nice emails from my students because I worked hard (laughs) and deserve those emails. Yeah. Because I've heard, um, I know we're getting close to the end, but I've heard a couple of stories that um, some students will not put much effort into their work, but then will still send an email to the TAs, the prof, trying to explain the amount of money I've paid to come to this institution, I should at least get this mark. And then it's like... That's crazy. It's, well, because they feel like I've paid thousands of dollars, why am I not getting good marks? Oh my God. And you 
You're paying. You're paying to learn. You're not paying yeah. to get a good mark. Yeah, That's what they think. Grades. I'm paying to get this degree. Yeah. It's you're like paying you're grades. paying to work yeah. for this degree. You're not paying to. I'm gonna give you this slip. Just yeah, hang out for four years. You have to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. That's hundred percent. But some of them, I don't know if it's like an entitlement or they've just not really been shown that life lesson that yeah, it's not what. Or they're not understanding of what the purpose of university actually is. Yeah. Or purpose of post secondary education actually is. But then again half the stories I've been told afterwards they're from like the rich families where they probably didn't have to do any yeah. kind of work in their life until they were forced to do so yeah no I, I can see that but like they it, yeah you know that's why you come to university you realize that whatever like you have been given or that you have been for some reason like you've had better opportunities than most I think you kind of realize that and that person should be put in their place. Oh boy! I don't really know what happened. Was the end story, end goal of those stories? But it's just frustrating yeah. as a TA yeah. because a lot of these things, at the end of the day, aren't in your control. Yeah. And I think we get blamed for a lot of things that aren't our fault. Aren't our fault? We haven't set up. Isn't has nothing to do with us, yeah. frankly. But mm-hmm. because you know we're kind of the faces on behalf of the props, we end up shouldering a lot of complaints and burden on behalf of the students because they think that we're the person that they need to go to for all these things right well anyways thank you so much for uh, listening to our podcast if you guys have any more questions or if you want to talk about an experience you can just send us a tweet you can message us or just tweet to our our uh, twitter account at gradcast radio we have a hashtag don't we grad life hashtag or something yeah literally hashtag grad life yeah use, use our hashtag and we'll see it and other people will see it as well. And Yeah, let us yeah. know if there's any other episodes you want us to do, any topics on grad life that you're interested in. Um, other than that, thanks so much for listening. We always love feedback, so let us know what you want us to do next. Yeah, and this has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. If you'd like to listen to us, we're on CHRW 94.9 every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Also, you can listen to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alternatively, some of our podcasts have been recorded and put on YouTube at Gradcast Radio. This episode, uh, we had Caitlin Mitrion for a little bit, and it was hosted by myself, Gregory Robinson, and... Monica Molinero. And... Gavin Talametti. And it's also been produced by me. Thank you for listening and have a great night. The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.